Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Welcome to the latest edition of 100, the Ed Gordon Podcast. Today, a conversation with singer Dionne Warwick. Few singers have a list to rival the classic songs that can be found in Dionne Warwick's library. Do you know the way to San Jose? Walk on by. That's what friends are for. Deja vu. From her first hit in 1962, with the great production team of Burt Bacharach and Hal David, Warwick became the vessel their classic songs would flow through. The New Jersey native went on to become one of the most prolific hitmakers of her generation. Over her career, she's charted more than 80 singles. She's just released a new song, Power in the Name, with proceeds going to various charities that provide shelter and clothing. Tian, let me ask you... Uh- as you dreamed about becoming a singer, um, did the reality surpass the dream? Well, I never dreamed about becoming a singer. Really? <laughs> no. I, I guess it was preordained. I, I come from a singing family. And uh, so I guess I was supposed to sing. Yeah. Where God planned it, not me. From her childhood, music would surround her. 
Family members made up the gospel group The Drinkard Singers, who her mother would manage. Dion's sister Dee Dee would have a singing career. Sissy Houston is her aunt, and her daughter, Whitney, was a cousin. Yes, this family can sing. I said it must have been a thought of becoming a professional early on. Well, it became a profession when I had a hit record. <laughs> <laughs> and that first hit, Don't Make Me Overclimb the Charts, in 1962. Don't make me over That's 60 years ago. That's amazing. There is. <laughs> I feel every minute of it, too. <laughs> <laughs> what about the idea, Dion, that so many people, I think, tend to romanticize, you know, celebrity and romanticize what the career must have been while it had great highs, it had great lows. I tell people all the time, you know, being on television and being in the public side, it's great, but it's also just a job. Plus, though, I never considered it to be a job. The minute that it becomes a job is when I will retire. Mm. I never I never wanted to work. <laughs> so <laughs> a job doesn't even enter the, the picture. It's the old saying, you know, you make plans and God laughs. This, was, <laughs> <laughs> this obviously was something that um, I'm supposed to do. After 60 years, I guess I must have a point there. Yeah, at some point you figure, well, it must be the right road, right? Um, let, me, exactly. let me ask you this. I, I obviously grew up on your music. You know, I was a, a, a young child when you first started making hits. But as I do often when I'm getting ready to interview people, I just play their music as I'm doing research. When you think about the extraordinary list of hits that you've had, you know, some people are lucky if they have one or two classics. And I, and I mean that in all earnest, you have just loads of them. Um, did, did you see yourself blessed with the material that you were given? And then, and I think singers don't get enough credit for the idea of taking that material and making it um, what it became for them. Yes, well, I was fortunate enough to meet two whom I still consider to the most prolific composers of our time, Backrack and David. Mm -hmm. And we, the three of us, we became known in the industry as the triangle marriage that worked. Um, I was given songs that were completely different than anything that was being played on radio or, or being sung by anyone other than myself. So we kind of, carved our own little niche out in the music industry. Um, and it appealed to people's ears. So, you know, as I said, being in the right place at the right time with the right folks, I think is uh, probably the answer to that question. Yeah. I want to ask you about uh, something, and it, it struck me as we lost Sidney Poitier, this, but you to a great degree with the same kind of entertainer in that you broke barriers. You were a trailblazer when it came to an African-American stepping on certain turf. And you also were one who understood the time that you came up, the platform you had, and weren't afraid to use your voice. 
Uh, I'm curious how you saw your life in that existence. And then give me a remembrance of Sydney. Well, I, you know, I had no idea that I was <laughs> doing any of those things, breaking barriers and um, entering areas that no one else had ever entered before until it happened. You know, um, there were certain things within the industry that were kind of reserved for those who are blonde, blue-eyed, and of another persuasion, <laughs> Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I kind of entered that arena and was well accepted within that arena, it just proved to me what I always say about music. It has no color. It has no barriers. It has no, no box to be thrown into. Music is music. We all use the same eight notes in which to do what we do. It's just a matter of how it's approached. Um, so I, I, I've always been one who <laughs> spoke my mind. Mm-hmm. I will always do that. Um, I think that is the reason that communication and conversations are supposed to be held. Um, understanding each other, getting to know each other, and know each other on the level that, in my case, that I want to be known as. You know, everybody knows that <laughs> unless you really want to know, don't ask Dion. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, I was so many, many, many years ago as a child by my grandfather, who was a minister. Uh, I told a little fib and he, he questioned me about that. Why did you tell that fib? And I said, I don't know. He said, well, I want you to know this. That's the last fib that you'll ever tell. I said, Okay. He says, I want you to always remember this. And I carry this with me always. And I've given it to my children and my grandchildren. You do not have to lie when the truth is available. Before we get to Sydney, let me ask you this and learn in terms of though the expectations that others put on you, not necessarily that you felt per se, but for an African-American at that time, a black woman at that time, being a queen of pop music. And as you alluded to, you know, African-Americans were not on those charts, were not seen uh, as as those who performed those types of songs, seen on the shows that, you know, were popular at that time, singing mm-hmm. pop music. We were, you know, still in the era to a great degree when you first started of what was called race records. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what was the expectation that others had that either you felt some of the pressure or you debunked it? I, I didn't. I never felt any pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've always been me. You know, I, I, I like me, you know, so I have no reason <laughs> to be anything other than who I am. Mm-hmm. So uh, I really never felt any pressure. Um, I had experiences within um, what were considered black arenas, you know, doing what we all referred to as the chitlin circuit. Mm-hmm. And everybody used to go, what, what are you doing on this tour? I'm singing just like you are. <laughs> you know, uh, I had no reservations whatsoever about being with folk that looked like me or folk that didn't look like me. That's the kind of neighborhood I grew up in as a child. 
virtually the United Nations. Every race, color, creed, and religion lived on my street. So I never had a problem with anything of that nature. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk to me about Sidney Poitier. I know that you had a relationship with him. You've told the story over the years of first meeting him and following him for an autograph and him saying, little girl, little girl, what you want? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and to this very day, it didn't matter where we were or what circumstances we were in. He never greeted me with, hi, Dion. It was always, hey, little girl, you want my autograph? <laughs> <laughs> that was our greeting. And we laughed an awful lot about that. He was such a wonderful gentleman. Um, he oozed regally um, the essence of what I felt and still feel was the epitome of a man, a mm-hmm. real gentle man. And uh, I don't think you can find anyone who would say anything other than that. He was absolutely a brilliant actor, and he was a wonderful one that you could sit and talk to. He had incredible stories um, before coming to New York, coming from the islands, and making headway by doing what he felt he was capable of doing, and he did it exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. You know, no one could have been prouder of him as I'm certain his daughters, of course, are, and Joanna, his wife, happens to be. But I felt sincere pride in just saying, yeah, I know him. I know him. He's my friend. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt so very good. It still feels good. I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. An extraordinary man. Let me take you back to, to Bacharach and David for a moment. Of all the songs that you all put out, and I won't necessarily ask you for your favorite. I know some singers hate that question and others embrace it. It's kind of like your favorite child for some. I'm curious for you, if you had to pick one that that would say to people who were unfamiliar with Dionne Warwick, uh, what song would it be? Oh my God. I, 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 can't, I can't really legitimately answer that question. Um, I meet people almost on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And they tell me what their favorite songs are. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, they're quite different. And some of them are quite a surprise to me that are songs that are kind of meant to be and have always stayed within albums or CDs. So I, I can't, I really can't honestly answer that question. What about this? Was there a song that became a hit that you felt like that surprised you? No, the ones that didn't become his. <laughs> when we come back, how did she make it through the lean years, SNL and Twitter, and why she doesn't see herself as an icon? If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. You don't have a decades-long career without a number of highs and lows. Dion has been at the top of the musical mountain and charts. But she's also been known by a generation in the 90s as the face of the Psychic Friends Network infomercials. And now three decades later, a new generation knows Dionne Warwick for her presence on social media. Anyone who's had a long career mm-hmm. has to have the fortitude and wherewithal to have a long career. And by that, I mean, there are peaks and valleys. Um, you know, what sustained you on those years that 
weren't as high as others. And there were those valleys. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I utilized those periods of time uh, in, in two ways. First, being a mommy, mm-hmm. being able to stay home, take care of my two boys. Um, that was a joy. You know, I was, I was, I think I kind of like this. I might, may just get this stuff up. And, um, you know, there were areas of music that were changing so drastically. Mm-hmm. And I felt at that period of time, you know, we had a young lady named Donna Summer who permeated the airwaves. You know, you mm-hmm. couldn't hear anything but her. And it's something that they tagged as disco. Um, and I didn't feel capable or felt a need to be a part of that particular type of music. Um, and I got to the point where I said, well, I'll just go ahead and use my credentials on, and teach. That's what I went to college to do and uh, had the ability of, of being able to do. So maybe that's what I should be doing. Even during the low points, Dion's songs with Bacharach and David lived on. There were so many songs that weren't only hits, but bona fide classics. It helped keep her voice in the public, even when she was no longer on the charts. I mentioned the recent loss of musician James M. Tume, who with his partner Reggie Lucas had a magical relationship with singer Stephanie Mills. I wondered what made the magic between some singers and producers. I think the relationship that that Stephanie had with them and I have a background, David, uh, had to do with what I feel was a friendship first. Mm. Um, and, I mean, true friends. They put their feet under my mother's table and had food in my house, and I put my feet under their tables as well. Um, we cared about each other. And um, in so doing, I think gave them the the reason for writing the wonderful songs that they wrote for me to sing. You know, they believed in my talent. We each had something to bring to the table and did so efficiently and depended upon each other to perform each of our tasks. And I think we did that pretty well. Yeah, I think you might have figured that one out. (laughs) (laughs) Let me ask you about another friendship that has been unique in and of itself, um, and that is the triumvirate that we saw uh, during the verses with Patty and Gladys and yourself when they brought you on to surprise everyone. Uh, Give me a sense of what that sisterhood has been and and if there has uh, been a healthy competition amongst you all. You know, I talk to many singers and, you know, when they go on tour and one may open for another and some nights, you know, it's a healthy competition. It brings out the best in one. Uh, Mm -hmm. Give me a sense of what that friendship has been and if there was indeed that. Well, I, I met uh, Patty when she was with the the Bluebells. Mm -hmm. Um, We did those kinds of um, performances uh, together, you know, the Bluebells, myself, Chuck Jackson, Tommy Hunt. I mean, it was a slew of incredibly talented people on shows like the Meredith K. Christmas show. Every holiday we did a show together. I met Gladys at the very beginning of my career. And um, from that day to this very day, 
we've never considered ourselves just friends. We've considered ourselves family. Mm-hmm. And it's a sisterhood that um, we enjoyed at that point in time that we first got together right up to this very day. We just had Patty on uh, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I asked her uh, something that I'll, I'll give to you. I think personally, the word icon and genius and all of the things that people present to folks who have one or two records um, and have done little else is overused. And then there are those that it is a deserved title. Take a listen to what Patty had to say. Do you see it as, as we do now that you've had some time to really look at it? You have had an iconic career, modesty aside, you just have, that's fact. Do you now, are you able to embrace and cherish that? I really do. At 77 and still moving and still doing what I did 40 years ago and doing it, I stay well. I'm blessed, first of all, to be living and to still have a schedule like an itinerary. Some of my peers don't have that. So Mm -hmm. I know how lucky and blessed I am. And when I look back on my career and I say, gosh, I did that. And some folks send me like videos of things that I forgot I'd done, like something with Frank Sinatra, the um, what is America, the house I live in, his 80th birthday, things that I've done for Liz Taylor and Michael and Michael Jackson and just stuff that I've done. And then sometimes I I put myself in a smaller category. I say, well, no, I'm not all that uh, because I don't have that many, many hit records. But I think about it's not about the records, the recordings. It's about what you've done all your life. And I've been relevant for how many? 60 years. So you know what, Ed, I'm going to say, I am happy to know that I am that decent, that good. Okay, Dion, what about you? Have you allowed yourself now to comfortably accept that title? Um, and if so, you know, what does it mean to you to be able to look back and say, job well done? Um, no, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't revel in those kinds of um, things based on the fact everybody has an opinion as to where they want to put you. You know, some of these pedestals that people are put on are sometimes much too high. Mm-hmm. And out of that can come, you know, some disappointments to those who have put them on those pedestals. I really enjoy being me. And I think if you ask anyone who has had the pleasure, and I say pleasure too, of meeting me and hanging out or being around me, I will tell you, you know, she's just Dion. (laughs) But I always am who I am on and off stage. Well, let me say for the rest of us, uh, modesty aside, Dion, you have uh, been that uh, for many of us for so very long now. And I do believe in giving people their flowers. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that we are allowed to suggest and I hope that whether you do it publicly, privately or accept it eventually, um, you know, the tag icon is aptly, you know, given uh, to you. Um, I think about the first hit, as we mentioned, 1962. If I had told you in 62 that 60 years later, you could still be touring, 
that you would have a resurgence in popularity. Um, what would you have thought? You're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, truly, from the very beginning of this, because I did not choose this industry. It, it chose me. Um, I had a hit record, and I followed it. And subsequently, whatever this is I am at this point in my life, that's these are the rewards that I'm receiving. Um, you know, and please don't misunderstand me. To be appreciated and um, given those particular flowers that you're talking about during my lifetime is a wonderful pleasure to know that I've brought joy and happiness and have, in many ways, helped people during the course of my music. So, I, you know, so if you want me to be an icon, okay, that's what you want me to be. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I feel, like I said, I will always be who I am. Uh, I have no reason to think that I am more than because I feel I'm always and will always be enough. So um, I have no um, no aspirations of being anybody other than Dia. Uh, what about this new generation that has has found you either through social media? I mean, you became so popular again for a new generation that, you know, their parodies on SNL and you, you know, made the appearance there and mm -hmm. um, you got a record now with Chance the Rapper. This has got to be a kick for you, I would think. It is absolutely wonderful. I am thrilled to be um, given the opportunity, first of all, to interface with our babies. And that's what I call them because that's what they are. And uh, I think what they have found in me is a grown-up, the presence of a true grown-up. Mm -hmm. And how much can be said and done and how much cannot be said and done. And I have um, I've let them know this without any reservations whatsoever, that I'm going to be asking questions. I want answers from them. And by and large, they can also ask me questions and they will get answers. I think that is um, what the joy has been for me, you know, and that they're finding that um, an elder has a personality and also loves to laugh because I do. You know, my grandfather also told me that laughter you won't get wrinkles. So I'm never going to have a wrinkle. <laughs> I love to laugh. You know? and, uh, and they seem to find that they have a way of being able to smile. And that is how I want them all to continue to do it and be. Because when I first got involved with this Twitter thing, um, I really was not happy with the way the kids were conversing with each other or or saying certain things to each other, which were not very nice. Mm -hmm. And I let them know that, you know, that everything can be said, but can be said with a smile, always with a smile, so that everybody feels good at the end of whatever the conversation happens to be. Let me go back to the music and ask you, you know, I also think about, I mean, Backrack and David are, are going to be the most prolific producing team, obviously, that, that you worked with and gave us such extraordinary music and classics. But I think about the music you did. You know, I think about what Isaac produced, Deja Vu, mm -hmm. obviously, 
Um, Barry Gibb uh, comes to mind, Luther. Um, what was it like to work with people who were also iconic singers? That can be interesting as well uh, for people who, uh, you know, producers have a certain um, uh, purview of making a record, but singers who produce have the, the purview of actually standing in that booth as well. Was that different mm-hmm. for, for you at all? No, you know, I, as a matter of fact, it was it was a joy. First of all, I was working with friends, mm. which has always been a joy for me. And uh, it was so easy. I mean, nothing was difficult. There were no, um, you know, I, can I make a suggestion, Dion? You're my producer. Of course you can make a suggestion, you know. And that's the way we were. You know, we were friends in the studio and friends outside of the studio. And they demanded as did Backrack David, of me, the very best that I could give them. And that's what I thought I gave them. And they were happy with it. So, you know, and working with each of them, you know, Barry Gibbs, Barry Mello, Luther Vandross, Jerry Ragavoy, Ashley Simpson, Tom Bell. I mean, wonderful, not only composers, but producers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and all of them were friends which was even more fun for me. Let me ask you, as we close, Dion, about um, whether or not you see at all a time when you just would not make music any longer, you wouldn't tour, that you would set it down and say, you know, enough of this chapter, or do you just want to go on for as long as you can? I've asked that of many who've had long careers, and it's interesting to me. Some want to go on till the end and others say, you know what? Bill Withers comes to mind. I remember, you know, Bill and I became close. He said, Ed, I, I did what I did for a time and I was fine with it after that. I'm, I'm curious where you sit. <laughs> like I said, I never wanted to work. Okay. <laughs> the this becomes a job. And I feel that I'm not giving the very best of me. That's when I will say, Ed, do. Again, thanks to the legendary Dionne Warwick for joining me. Her latest record is Power in the Name and is available now. 100 is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis, mm-hmm. back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.